0: and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Marine, and we're going to talk about how artists get discovered, how can they make money and support themselves of course and why she said in the recent times interview that it's thousand times riskier being an artist than an entrepreneur welcome marine how are you today
1: yes really well and thank you so much for having me
0: all right i'm very curious to find out different ways how digitalization changes the way we do business and let's talk about arts business this time right but first of all let's start with the very beginning right how did you get to do what you do these days
1: I've been very lucky that it's been 15 years I'm in the art sector and I started young at 21 years old. I was appointed gallery manager of the gallery of Steve Lazardi's who discovered Banksy and JR. I was fascinated by the talents my first boss discovered because if you think of a Banksy, he got to reshape very much Uh, the way we see street art and inspired the thousands of people in the process of it. So that was definitely like a first foundation, a first great school. As I was running the gallery for Steve, two years on from that, I got approached by an investor who was based in Los Angeles called Steph Sebag. He had an advertising company. He thought he wanted to open a gallery. He wanted to therefore do it with someone that could help build up the business and then he would invest in that. And um, and I was lucky that he decided that it was me. The L.A. art scene, so going from London to L.A., I think the L.A. art scene has so much of the entertainment sector and so many powerful talent agencies that it got me to see that maybe the very fact that talent agencies were non-existent in our sector could help solving many things. One, making the artists more at the centre of our world and much more known. And second, to be able to hopefully give them even more streams of revenues, even more audiences, and even more importance as well. So when I was in LA running that gallery, I therefore just decided that it was time I just built my own business on this idea that was over seven years ago. So all of this, to not disclose my age, has been a good 15 years therefore. <laughs> so I'm lucky that it was, uh, I've been growing up quite literally professionally through my sector.
0: I see. Brilliant. And how did you cope with the weather change? I must say that coming from LA to London, how did you deal with that?
1: Actually, funny enough, yeah, I think it's um, it's a complete di- distraction, but I am a big romantic, so I actually love seasons. <laughs> I'm just actually not the LA person. I could be there for a bit of sun, but, but I'm really someone that enjoys spring, autumn, summer, all the change of it and the fact that you can keep track of time. So I don't think I could do LA full-time any longer for that reason that is a romantic statement for the day
0: i see all right and it has to do with the colors and the arts i think as well i think it's consistent as i mentioned before in the recent interview with times you said that you believe it's a thousand times riskier being an artist than an entrepreneur in this podcast we're trying to encourage people to start their businesses so why would you say that why is it even tougher to be an artist than entrepreneur
1: well, I feel, first of all, as an entrepreneur, I always feel the duty to disclose the realities of it because ultimately I represent my company. I'm not going to say this morning was really difficult and p- post a picture of this. But I do want to highlight the risk because there is such a hype in becoming an entrepreneur or an these days that people might not just um, fully comprehend the consequences and the risk that comes with those decisions. Is something I'm so proud to have done to build this company, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done across everything everything else. And I felt that, and yet for me, I feel it's less risky than being an artist. I feel an artist is actually even riskier. The reason why I said this is because as an entrepreneur, I am lucky that we have 48 artists and therefore we have a diversity of portfolio of people that we invest in. And ultimately, therefore, the risks are Across the different artists, but also across the different revenue streams that we built and the different team members that we built. Ultimately, as an artist, the' sole resource. If it doesn't work out, that's the sole resource that's ultimately failing. And I think that's much harder, and I think also I would imagine that pitching yourself all day long is also much harder. I'm lucky that I don't have to pitch myself in the same way. I pitch other people and a company vision, which I found easier. So I have an Im- immense amount of respect towards the courage that it takes to therefore be an artist. And I guess that's the reason why I always wanted to be working very closely with them.
0: And of course, as an artist you have to put all your energy, all your time into your art and it's not a nine to five job, right? So that's as you said, I think it's you're quite exposed because you cannot diversify even though it depends what kind of artists, right? Because from the US movies we see that the struggling actors they have a side gig until they make it right but uh, i think if you are a painter or a sculptor probably you just have to do this right
1: yeah and this is probably also like the courage aspect that i really respect but you just like it's a timeline therefore it's totally different i think as an entrepreneur if you work incredibly hard you own a good idea and you understand the size of your market realistically you can undergo sacrifices for quite a few years but there comes a point where they should life should get easier if it doesn't that maybe there's something wrong with the market size or the idea or the business plan itself as an artist like you said you could wait 20 or 30 years before you have a breakthrough and and i think the mental resilience that it takes to accept that is much harder like i probably include myself in terms of patience but I need to see success at some point. I can sacrifice for absolute ages. I have a strong resilience to Osad, but I'm not sure I could wait twenty years until you you have a level of success. Which I think it's where I'm deeply impressed where they keep going and keep going with an endless amount of rejections and then have their breakthrough. And that's what makes them so above us in terms of mental health resilience.
0: So Let's talk about how this works today, right? So if you are a painter or a sculptor, a visual artist, how do you get discovered? How do you actually make it? And my understanding is you get discovered through agencies or art fairs or both that you can be represented by agents. As you said, it can take a long time for you to get a particular commission maybe or do your own show. How does that work? And then let's move on right away to say, why do you think this process needs an upgrade?
1: Yeah, so I think, first of all, to open up with good news, I think it's easier today than it is previously. I was with two of my Nigerian collectors just earlier, and I was saying how excited I am for the fact that artists across the globe, through just texting you on LinkedIn or Instagram, can now get in touch with decision-makers for their carriers. If you thought that what it meant a few years ago, that you have to pay for flights and pay for accommodation and trying to meet that person physically, the chances of the excess was just, it was so difficult to imagine that most of them would ever make it. So I think, first of all, this is exciting. It's an exciting time for artists. It's an exciting time for them to have access into the sector. But you're still in a sector where 90% of who rules it is very privileged and traditional and conservative-minded, therefore, which means that it's still one where an understanding of network and social codes and a financial level to access it is still required which is unfortunate and I cannot wait to the day where it will be much more about talent than all the things I just listed but that's still the case and I think that's something that we wanted to deeply disrupt we wanted to be about talents we wanted to be about who are those incredible artists beyond the access that they can afford an art and beyond the who they know or not in the sector. So, I think to do that, we did a few things. We first opened up the application process, which is very rare, believe it or not. Like it's in the art world, very few galleries will welcome applications from artists to be able to come to them and, and just turn up and suggest that they should be represented. So, we review about 200 portfolios of artists a month, and therefore the application process is fully transparent. And we have a selection committee, it's not marine taste, it's not marine friends, it's very much assessing. Technically, how strong they are, conceptually, how strong they are, the vision and the personality that they have that drives it. So really looking at do we think there's potential that we can ultimately help and support and provide more resources towards. And that was a big, big way of our vision. I think the second thing is also opening up what it means to be making money in the sector. We spoke about it earlier where the what really jumped to my mind when I was in Los Angeles was the fact that the user talent sectors had multiply the revenue streams ultimately you were in a position where uh, an actress can have her movie and then her brand partnerships and then her digital partnerships and, and she can even build her own brand and then sell that off to a luxury group or a mainstream group so possibilities are endless and I think as visual artists we're always stuck to they have to make works for high networks mainly, and that is mainly how they can make money. So we've opened that up with a brand partnership department, with a public art department, with digital collaborations as well. A very good recent example, because you mentioned this on the Times article is, the World Cup project, which it did, which had our artist Lorenzo at the heart of it, that kicked off literally the World Cup with a 90 meter structure in recycled mesh and was on every single campaign of the key sponsor of this World Cup. So this is positioning the artist as more central, less just part of the art world, but more part of our visual landscape. And of course the World Cup is going to be seen by 5 billion people, so it's opening up the audiences. And that was the second thinking. It's on top of bringing new revenue streams, can we be in a position as well where we just bring much larger audiences? Which is basically just, can we just bring back the artists in the center of our societies and not just on the side? Like currently, if you asked on the streets a few kids, do they know any key art world artists? Like realistically, most of them wouldn't know, right? But they would know the footballers, the singers, the oh, actors. I hope we're part of that change where In 10 years' time, they will know lots of the top visual artists. That will make me really happy. And Banksy was probably one of the first ones to do that really well.
0: All right, I see. So if I just summarize it a little bit, you would say that you are more open to outbound applications, right? You want to discover new artists versus traditional agencies. But what about the outreach? Do you do that proactively as well? Do you... Go around the world and try to discover artists that maybe wouldn't even know that they can apply to your agency.
1: Yeah, yeah, constantly. So we've actually built those different departments that I mentioned earlier, and those people will be who are surrounding me as we speak in the office will be constantly pitching for the artists in making sure that they get those top contracts, and that and they're very well supported.
0: All right, understood. So now we started to talk about what your agency does. So. How does it work, maybe also from a business perspective, right? So you have a website, people can apply, you have departments that do the outreach, and then does it work like a traditional agency with other kinds of talents? For example, if I compare to my favorite sport, tennis agents try to find the junior players quite early on. Uh, They try to give them gear, they uh, give them money, and then they introduce them to coaches, etc. So they give more than just money. They give them also advice and transfer knowledge. So how does that work in the arts world?
1: You know what? It's exactly what we're trying to build as the answer. If you take a step back, most artists don't have even contracts with the top galleries. So if you look at who's the top galleries in the world, those are the Gagosians, the Pace, the Huston, and worse They don't have contracts with most of the artists. So I think the first step is to professionalize it. Make sure there are processes. Make sure, like you say, there's different stages of carriers and with that, with the different stages of their reputation, ultimately comes different teams and different level of expertise that can support it. It sounds very basic, but because the sector so far was really just more of a small network of people than it was a sector, all of this was not in place. So in football, you have the person that scouts emerging footballer and then they're passed on at different stages of their carry and acquired by clubs and there's all different understanding of the level that they should be at. In acting and in, in music, it's exactly the same. So we were just like, why is it not the same for visual artists? Because this will make a huge difference. It will make the process fairer. It will also enable people who are not from the art world to be relating to the sector a lot more and want to support artists a lot more. So I think that the big chunk was professionalizing it, building the contracts, building the processes, building the expertise in those teams to make sure that they can support the emerging mid-level and established levels of those carriers and bringing also the idea of metrics. How do you actually value um, an artist and the stages and how do you back this artist fundamentally? So that's all the things that, so as you can imagine, that was a lot of work, but that's all the thinking that we ultimately put together back then.
0: I see. Understood. And uh, we talked about visual art a lot, but let's define it as well. What kind of art is your focus? Is this traditional? Is this paintings or sculptures or digital special effects? Or what are you focusing on?
1: Well, so for us, this is our key phrase is don't invest in art, invest in artists. So basically, we're interested in incredible individuals who have a unique vision That unique vision could be installation, video, photography, painting, sculpture, all the things that you said, we don't actually mind about which medium they're going to take on and how they're going to express their vision. We want to encounter that incredible person who is going to hear a medium that they use, make people stop, make people question, and ultimately have a sizable market behind, behind their reputation as well. So that's very much who interests us as the artist. And we think that I've had artists who actually touch all the mediums who do installation art mixed with paintings, mixed with sculpture. And if you look at a lot of the top artists nowadays, whether it's Ai Weiwei or even Jeff on painting, sculptures, installation, it's the same. The, the medium is really not what you're actually betting on. You're betting on really the fact that someone could constantly reinvent themselves and could drive an incredible vision.
0: All right. Sounds very interesting and similar to when we talk about investing in startups, right? They invest in founders' teams rather than the idea. And so I think that is quite similar. But I have a side question related to it because you say that you sign them up, you help them, they go through different phases, they lend themselves. How do you feel about scalability in that sense that may need to work with social media? How do you think about that? Or is this a factor at all or not? Because Some of the visual art is well suited to be online as well. But is this helpful or not at all?
1: I think for me, like social media is a great tool. And as many tools, it has exciting functions to it. Like you mentioned the VC world, but I'm actually married to a VC. We've been together for the past eight years now. And he's in B2B tech. So I've been very much immersed in his world, as much as he's been immersed in mine. And and the way he backs entrepreneurs is the way we back artists. There's no difference. We get excited to encounter someone that has a huge potential, and we can't wait to be backing that person. It's that's definitely the similarities. I think, therefore, for me, especially in that relationship, I see tech as a tool and an enabler. I don't see it beyond a tool of them, so I would never get obsessed about it. I just would think, what can that tool provide, and who is it for? Like you mentioned, it's the same with NFTs, where. I've had artists for whom social media has been a big deal. For others, frankly, it's not, because like you say, it's not exactly right for their practice. It doesn't mean that they're less successful. They could still be incredibly successful. And it's the same with NFTs, right? When NFTs came up, like some of my artists are doing really well with it, some of those is just not adapted to their practice. So that's the beauty of a tool, is that it ultimately serves a function and then you just make sure that you understand who's who isn't serving best. You know? What
0: I had in mind is more like digital agents digital galleries or apps where you can follow the artists. And when they have something new coming up, maybe you would see it or you see the transactions that relate to their art, things like this. And I'm thinking whether this could work similarly as Netflix, where Netflix is bidding for movies and and pick, and the T V shows, etc. So you also now have digital frames like uh, Mural and you have a subscription there where you can see art from certain galleries, certain artists, and maybe you can just make a deal with them and be exclusive, for example, to Netgear's Mural or something like that. Would that be something that maybe makes sense to uh, when you're exploring scalability?
1: I'm not scared about scalability because the two biggest hiring agencies in the world, whether it's UTA or CA, are worth a billion each. And they manage thousands of talents. So, I am I'm not scared of being capped. The reason they can do that is because their processes are really cool built. Uh, a pay to can only manage a hundred talents because their processes are just not as bulletproof as the talent agency world. So. For us, our scalability is endless. We don't feel lack of scalability, and in fact, as you've seen, we are very bullish in terms of scaling. I think the tech part will always be a tool, but I don't think it is the answer, because it's not our business model. I would say for all of these platforms, the realities of it is, you still need with art to really understand what you're looking at. It's a bit the same, you could barely VC in that sense, but you need to understand how to read a pitch deck and understand how to value companies. You can't just invest, right, when you are... Even when you're super successful entrepreneurs, you just exited your company. You're starting investing. You still need to understand how to navigate all of this. I think art is quite similar. Where you don't really know what you're looking at in the first place, and you can develop that. You can train your eye. You can understand also different use of techniques and and way to evaluate the artist. But the reason those platforms, I think, are great when it comes to being decorative. So I want to print a pretty picture above my sofa. That works. But I'm not good yet in helping really um, advising on who are the top talents, who will be the rising stars. And specifically because it's ultimately like a supermarket, right? You have everything on it. So if you know what you're looking for, fantastic. But if you don't know what you're looking for, it's really hard because it's still a sector that's not fully understood. So I think for me that works at a level of a decorative level. So that's what works. You would just get, You would just get that lovely picture above your sofa.
0: <laughs> right. And of course, some of them, you, at least they have captions. There were also tools which try to, to work like a Shazam for art. I think that's also maybe helpful for discovery. But what you say is you need some basic education so you can appreciate it. Similarly, maybe when you go to a gallery, you go to a museum, you have a guide. But even that guide would focus on what's out there in front of them, right? They wouldn't give you the overall picture and the context. But maybe there would be some tools that can do this at home as well. Let's see. Yeah,
1: I'm sure longer term, longer term, as the sector is opening itself up, so let's think that the art world is still a non-regulated place economically and you can still do insider trading in it. And it's still very difficult to foresee what value is at what price and why. I find all those things very hard to navigate in that context for someone that has no insider knowledge. Um, by the second all of this is changing, then of course like all these tools can be applied but that's what I mean by them being tools is that you need the rest to be in place for them to be able to enable right
0: of course and i think this is something that i always discuss with tech entrepreneurs i think you should focus on the customer journey the problem that you're trying to solve or the delight that you want to bring to them but technology comes second right It shouldn't be that you're in love with technology trying to find a home for it now but coming back to that vc angle and you said that you have experience at home as well with that but how did you get going when it comes to funding and how did you continue to grow to your current state because you raised quite a bit of money it looks like you're doing great so how, what can you say to others who are trying to do the same
1: yeah i think it's interesting i mean because i've never taken money from a vc <laughs> despite being obviously with one the reason why and he would approve that is just vcs don't understand our space very well yet so i have instead why to raise funding from the likes of a Swift or Frederick Joussé or Todd ripper who have scaled businesses and have understanding in what we do, and therefore not only can give us money, but also can give us incredibly valuable advice. And I would value that advice ten times higher uh, than the money that they've given us. So I think that the way I've gone about it is really on the search for the brains I would love to learn from, and I've been lucky to encounter quite a few of them. And I also am lucky to say that like investors wise, I thought the relationships are just really special to me as a single founder specifically, because I don't have any as a So it's, this relationship's not quite key. I think in my daily and being advised in my advisory board, they all of these things are very key. So that's the way I've gone about it. There's a recruitment of brain, a recruitment of who could be complementary in terms of like a guy with you from, who's was one of my investors, I scaled a company. Not a in our space, but from 15 people to 1,000 people. So when I raised money from him, my, my thinking was I need to learn how to do that scaling. So every time it was really much about, okay, how can I learn what they've done? And how can I convince them, therefore, to pass me this knowledge and be part of the adventure?
0: I see. So I think the advice is find the right people for you. And there is more than money that they can bring to the table. In this case, knowledge, connections, understanding of the space. So that makes sense, of course. Very Uh, much
1: more than money. And in fact, I would say money, not to say that. Money is never irrelevant, especially as a founder. You can never, ever say that. We boss first-generation entrepreneurs in my couple. And if I think the number of mistakes I'm now aware, if my kid wanted to do, and he doesn't have to do anything to do with entrepreneurship, but if he did... Literally, I have a lineup of 40 mistakes I could have him avoid in two seconds. And that is really so much more valuable than any money you could be given because if you just foresee the mistakes, I think my investors foresee the mistakes I'm about to make in a way that obviously I can't foresee it by definition. And that's very valuable.
0: Brilliant. So... Moving on still to you and your business model, how do you make money for the artists and yourself?
1: We take a cut from all the projects we bring forward to them. So like I mentioned, the World Cup project, we would take a cut from that when we brought it to Lorenzo Queen. And ultimately, every single public art project, digital collaboration, brand collaboration, artwork sales, we take a cut and that will be the different agents in my agency who runs those departments that will be collecting those commissions. And that's on the cash flow side. And then because we finance our artists um, partially on the studio costs and sometimes on the production costs, we also get artworks in exchange of this finance we put forward. So again, going back to the VC comparison, which means that ultimately we've built a really solid collection of artworks from artists who are Rising, And I can't wait for that collection to be recognized in the next few years and then to have a strategy applied to this at that point as well.
0: I see. So if we were to compare it to, for example, publishing houses as well, sometimes they sign up an, an author and they give them an advance while they're writing. So what you say is you uh, take art as collateral or as a reward for that financing.
1: Yeah. And actually, this is, I just signed. So I, ironically, my agent in publishing is UTA. Which is highly controversial because it's, it's I'm trying to emulate on the art world side, and I have signed with Penguin, the publisher. So I'm very aware of that comparison, uh, and it was fascinating having a, a, an agent myself as a CEO of a talent agency, and and it's really interesting to see how the structure as well, all on potential, and the fact that like, you know, you you could be a name in the same way, and and the the property, the intellectual property you're giving them is again valuable in the long term. So. There's definitely loads of parallel in that.
0: Brilliant. So now talking about books, do you have a favorite business book that you could recommend? And ideally it would be about our business.
1: I read a book per week. The one I've read this summer is called The Great CEO Within, The Tactical Guide to Company Building. How do you advise? Why? Because it's very step-by-step and mystic focused, which is actually, the, there was a part on early early stage that was not really relevant for me, but I think It's really trying, again, to foresee for you to ask the right questions and avoid as many mistakes as possible. Sometimes it's even a case when you are the CEO that you just don't even know what the question is. And I think that kind of book helps formulating the right interrogations and questions.
0: I see. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Now, my last question is, what's the best way to reach out, find out more about MTR agency? And what kind of people would you like to hear from most
1: first of all i am very accessible and communicative and i love hearing from everyone because i feel that you can learn from everyone without being too cliche we have a website called emptyart.agency we have obviously an instagram account Agency. so feel free whenever you like the works of the artists or the artists themselves to just support them and go and explore what their works is about and hopefully you will see many of our projects dotted on your streets if i just leave my office in london there's so many public art projects I can just go and see that we've done. So hopefully you come across one of the projects that we've done at some point as well globally and have fun with it.
0: Fantastic. So I'll put the links into the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Maureen, and good luck to MTR agency and your artists, of course.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceofintech.com